it is September the 28th. Not officially, but we're going to say that because that's when this sure. podcast is going to drop. It is the return of Flyover Politics. I am Adam, joined by Sean. No I'm last Sean. names, right? Do, do we, do we, are we doing last names? Do we ever do last names the last time? Because I know we, I always said Adam and Sean, but... Adam and Sean's fine. I'm, okay. I'm not like secret. Or okay. But we, we will plug your Twitter, so at some point they're going to figure it out. But Yeah, fair enough. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but... This is um, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it podcast number one, even though we this isn't really the the official first podcast, but yeah. we uh, started this podcast back in 2015, so five years ago. Um, doesn't feel like that. It feels like we just did this. There was I the, know, <laughs> the the background on this is that Sean used to be my neighbor, or clo- he was somewhat an, of a neighbor just up the road from me, and Sean found out that I did podcasts and was like, Hey, would you ever want to? do a podcast about politics. And that's like the one of two things that you, you're told to never talk about with people is politics and religion. And I was like, yes, I would love to. Right. I was so burnt out on talking about professional wrestling. So we'll, we'll talk about what we've been up to since then, but we did it for uh, over a year and in kind of in spurts. And then uh, the last thing that I remember us doing was the night of the 2016 presidential election when it was yeah. uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And we streamed live on Facebook we got a, I, I would say a pretty substantial response because we had people watching us live and then we had people chiming in after the show was done. We did like a two-parter. Um, yeah. And, and, and this was like early, this is like before video podcasting was all the rage. Like obviously that's the norm now, but. We, we were trailblazers. A little bit. And and it was, I was even kind of dipping my toe a little bit with, with um, the wrestling stuff doing video. But I think this time we're going to keep it a little more uh, chill. We're going to do audio only. We're, we're doing this through anchor.fm, which I think is a great platform to start with. And it's going to distribute the podcast anywhere. So you don't have to just listen to us on anchor.fm. You can listen to us basically anywhere podcasts are going to be available. So Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, everywhere. Um, the main hub of all these episodes are going to be at anchor.fm slash flyoverpolitics, but Obviously, you'll be able to look us up anywhere and, and download it. But I kind of like the audio approach just because uh, and maybe we'll grow more into the video stuff. I can I can definitely see us doing something video wise when the election um, takes place. But I kind of yeah. like this vibe a little bit. Just just the audio yeah, it's approach. easier to manage. Much easier to manage. Um, so it's obviously just, it's it's COVID. Yeah. COVID. Like, every, and I'm I don't wear anything but but like workout shorts <laughs> since since like March. So I, I'm not gonna look presentable. I'm not gonna do my hair. I hate that. See, I mean, I might wear my. I'm just gonna wear a ball cap. I it's would not consciously be, you're not make, looking at anything special here. I would consciously make decisions about the shirts I would wear when I would do live podcasts on YouTube. Just was like, oh, I wore that on the last podcast. I can't wear the same shirt again, and it just oh, it, okay. it gets to be I'm, a bit much. So I'm in a tie dye shirt that my kids tie dyed, and <laughs> like I love my children, and I'm super proud that we tie dyed a shirt together. But like, it's not a shirt for TV. Well, well speaking of, obviously, we, we don't want to get too deep with, like, personal information, but um, I do think we should kind of update people on where we have gone since we lasted this show in, like, 2015, 2016, so five years ago, basically. So I'll start with you. Like, where have things progressed for you in terms of your life, politics, all that stuff since we first kind of started getting together to, to do this show? Yeah, so uh, my daughter is now five. Uh, which is uh, coincides with about the time the show departed because it's uh, kids are 
I love my children. Uh, my daughter's five. I have a three, uh, almost almost three year old son. Um, but I really enjoy spending time with them. And uh, podcasting kind of takes a, a a big back seat, along with a lot of other adulting things I used to do. But um, um, in the intervening five years, and I, for those of you who watch the show, you probably noticed a, a leftward trend in my politics prior to the end of the show. And then ever since Bernie came on the scene, it was a pretty sharp turn. And then once Donald Trump became president, um, it was an even sharper turn. So um, I'm a prodigious podcast listening, uh, listener uh, and audiobooks. And most of my audiobooks I have are on uh, sociological topics like uh, banking, inequality, um, redlining, history, things that help me understand the world that's been created, as well as um, socialist themes, Marxist themes um, that I'm starting to learn and defining the language of my ideology better. And how do I how do I define an ideology? Because I have now I'm now a socialist. Um, joined DSA. I'm a, a member of the Democratic Socialists of America. Card carrying, as a matter of fact, I put it in my wallet. It's because people don't believe me uh, that there's a socialist in Iowa. <laughs> so, um, but but when I started um, listening to Bernie and that his his message spoke to what I wanted to see in the world and he would call himself a self a, a democratic socialist a socialist and then I remember in 2014 2015 I went to Iowa City to see him speak and there was a guy from DSA handing out um, pamphlets and saying like Bernie's not a socialist he's not a socialist he's not a, and I was like wait a minute that guy says he's a socialist and this guy says he's not a socialist so uh, I started reading about what is socialism, defining um, some of these terms uh, like anarchism, socialism, Marxism, Leninism, and, and I'm on that beginning. I've taken a few steps into it. I know what it is. I know what my ideology is. I kind of feel where it's going, um, and I'm working out uh, kind of the history of socialism, where it came from, how it's been enacted the theory behind it and that's a it seems like a long road to hoe but that's where i am today as a a, a socialist and uh um i have been a bernie supporter since 2015 now that he's out of the race again uh i'm i'm pretty bummed about it but um as a part of my socialist ideology uh i think that you need to look out for other people so i'll be i'll be voting uh, for for Joe Biden, even though he represents almost nothing that I I stand for politically. <laughs> so uh, be, before I uh, I chime in with with what I've been doing, um, are you, are you straight up going with socialist or democratic socialist? Which one? Uh, democratic socialist seems to be a better way to yeah. speak about it. Because um, you know, there's going to be people that are listening to this that may have just had their butthole pucker a little bit when you said socialist. Cause that's a, that's a, that's a buzzword right now in politics right now. It is. It's always been. And part of the, part of the thing about it is uh socialist party used to be big in America, like millions of voters in the twenties and thirties. 
Um, and since the end of World War II um, and the rise of the Soviet Union, it's been used as a pejorative. Oh, like yeah. It's been, it's been used to beat people over the head, and, yeah. and it's lost all meaning. Like, I grew up thinking that the socialists and communists are the same thing. Like, socialists and communists, same thing. <laughs> and and it, it's not. It's a continuum. But also, it, it has stripped away any of the context of what socialism is, what it can do for the working class. Um, and how to build solidarity. So there's like a whole language of politics that I was ignorant to, a whole language of politics and a whole mode of of approaching what government could be or should be that uh, I had to learn because, and I'm, I'm still working to unlearn the, the context that society has placed socialism in America. And if you look at the Democrats in Amer like American politics, that's a right that's a right wing party in most of <laughs> most European <laughs> countries. They yeah. have like socialist parties. <clears throat> they have communist parties, like in Greece, in France. They, I mean, there are socialism uh, parties of socialism that hold real power. Or in Greece, there are party communist parties that hold real power, and it's not talked about uh, their their projects aren't discussed the benefit that a worker-owned co-op can bring to to its members isn't isn't uh, an option here in america and then when you start when i started learning about what socialism is uh it seemed to me to be a no-brainer in spite of the uh uh kind of the definition that Americans have of it, which is this, honestly, it's just a scary thing that, oh, you're a socialist and you're going to steal all my money. Yeah. And it's yeah. not further, couldn't be further from the truth. Well, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to, um, to learn more about it because uh, I, I myself am, am quite ignorant about even the term, I've, the, the term democratic socialist obviously grew more out of the, the popularity of Bernie Sanders. And I, I mm -hmm. saw a lot of conversations in the media this this uh, past two years about it. Um, I, in particular, a conversation that Tucker Carlson had uh, with the oh God, who's the professor? Uh, he's on Bill Maher all the time. He's he himself is a democratic socialist. Um, calls everybody brother something. Uh, Cornell West. Cornell West. Yeah. So he Doctor Cornell West. He had a really interesting conversation on Fox News with Tucker Carlson about socialism, the definition of socialism democratic socialism and, and even got Tucker Carlson to say that he would be on board with democratic socialism at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've, I've always been fascinated. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to find out more about it. Um, because you're right. I mean, when, when I, when I see people go to, uh, Trump rallies and they talk to Trump voters, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, uh, the, the leftists, uh, are they're they're socialists, they're communists. That's like the kind of how most of yeah. those responses start. The new one is they're Marxists. This is the Marxist. Yeah, Marxist. Look at these Marxists. Yeah, that like, well, that's a big one. Are they are they in the park talking about seizing the means of production <laughs> for the proletariat? Like or no? Oh no, they're 
Oh, you're saying that the people throwing Molotov cocktails are mar- that's a Marxist ideology. Yeah, no, and that's it's that's, that's violence. <laughs> and that, that's why I'm fascinated to kind of hear the, the the almost like the journey that you've gone on to do some actual research and background information and because a lot of people don't do that. They just don't have time. It, it's it's the the age old tale of politics is oh I don't have enough time. I, I got enough going on in my life. So yeah. why why am I going to research well, this stuff? Yeah, mostly it's it's uh, so I I am a I do sales. Uh, and I do a lot of traveling, so, um, I'll fly from here to there, rent a car and drive from here to there. Um, and then spend a lot of time walking around cities. So I'll be in DC or New York and I'll just walk around the city at night and I'll have a, I'll have my phone with me, of course, and probably a camera cause I got into camera, like photography a little bit and then earbuds. So if I'm not actively interacting with a human being. I get I have earbuds in and I'm listening either to a, a podcast or an audiobook and uh sometimes four different audiobooks uh, off and on based on kind of my mood. So this is this is how my my journey's been kind of easier I've been able to dedicate that time that most people aren't just sure. flat out aren't. Yeah. Um I'm I'm privileged in that way that I'm able to focus on like I, I want to learn this stuff yeah. and I can buy an audiobook and then it pipes into my brain uh, and I have recently taken to accelerating them so listening between two and three times speed to to cut out breaths and shorten shorten sentences. It's fascinating because a lot of people just don't have time to do that stuff. Like I I listen to podcasts constantly, but it's just like very broad stuff and and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's about you know, selfishly about stuff that I'm interested in, like, you know, uh, mixed martial arts, uh, obviously politics. I listen to a lot of that stuff. Um, a lot of sports, but, um, or just, just general philosophers, you know, and, and just different kinds of approaches and stuff. But I, I'm, I hope that's something we, and I know that that's kind of been the goal this time around is to, to dive a little bit more before we were, and we're, we're still going to react to stuff going on, obviously in politics, but, I think being able to explore some of these things um, in different kinds of batches would be uh, would be good for people. Even if, and I, I've always said this, even if it's something that even after you listen to it, you still vehemently disagree with. At least you know about it. At least you, you're, you're aware of it. At least you're you're giving your brain an opportunity to to listen to it at least. Um, yeah. Because if you and just that's, immediately that's shut part it of out, the goal that I think that we would have we have absolutely share for this podcast is. Uh, with flyover politics, presenting the political discourse from the viewpoint of the other side, or or not the other side, but off the coasts. So when you when you hear things in the news, you get a lot of coastal reaction, mm-hmm. and there's just a context that's missing for you know a lot of people in the center of the country, even Texas, you know, um, that that they feel left out. Like I can watch the news and sure. we had a, we had the derecho come through and 27 counties in Iowa were a disaster zone. And almost there was almost no one in the, our entire town of Cedar Rapids and all the outlying areas, 150,000 people um, with every single one of them with property damage because a land hurricane came through here and it didn't even get a blip. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was weird. It was weird, yeah. You had it's fascinating it, when 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 we fuck up million, a, when we yeah, fuck up a million. pot or we fuck up like a caucus, we're we're headline news. But when a devastating yeah. storm comes through, it's like oh, 
by the way. Right. Or a, a bridge collapses <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. right day in, in California or New York, and, and it's bad, right? It, that's not a thing that that I, I, I wish on anybody and I'm not like jealous of their coverage or anything, but it no, was, but... It, it shows the skew of what people find important when yeah. you have half a million Iowans without power, you know, like the, the, it seems as though people are just like, Oh, they have power out there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> half a million more without it. I'm surprised they had it in the first place. I always you know? remember watching when... this old documentary on HBO when it profiled the, the creation of air America back in like 2003, 2004, right. When Carrie and Bush were about to mm-hmm. go head to head. And there was, um, there was a, a, a prominent talk show host. I forget her name. Um, but she, but she was notoriously very popular on the East coast and would, would do really, really well on, on talk radio, despite the fact that she was a liberal. And she was beating like Sean Hannity and all these these top right wing radio people. But she made this this really like on like like gross comment when they were they were watching the election results come in and they were in Florida and some woman walks by here while they're outside smoking a cigarette. And she's like, why is the entire country red? I don't understand. And she's like, because all the actual real people live on the coast and they moved out there because that's that's where life really exists. And it was just like I, I could just tell like. That she and she wasn't like I mean she kind of laughed when she said it she could have been just like messing around, but you know someone that that lives in that environment kind of does feel that way. Is that it Janine Garofalo? It wasn't Janine Garofalo. Um, oh. It was another. I think it was Wendy something. I forget her last name. Um, and obviously I, I have Google in front of me. I could I could get the answer quick, but um, but it was it was and I maybe at some point I'll I'll, I'll clip that and have you listen to it. But it was fascinating because it actually ties in a lot with what you were saying that kind of what we wanted to hit on and. I, I took a stab at the description of this show. I, I wrote Adam and Sean are attempting to get a grasp on the left right divide in the United States. I don't know if that's going to continue to stay that way, but I mm-hmm. feel like that's what we're trying to do. But then we're also bringing in that, Hey, we're from Iowa. It's, it's flyover country. That's why we call it yeah. flyover politics. And everyone rushes to get here when things are kicking off. But then as soon as that's over with, it's like, well, I'm right. going to, so it's fascinating to live here and, and, and take all this in and we'll talk about a lot of that. Cause we have a lot of stuff that we need to catch up on. Um, yeah. what are you up to? Let's what's I, I talked about myself for however long that was. <laughs> you tell us how about you? Where have you been? Well, you, you recall, uh, my involvement with, uh, with pro wrestling media. And I had been doing that, um, yep. for a long time since I pretty much, uh, since my high school years. Um, and I just stopped doing that last April. So I'm almost going on two years of not doing it, believe it or not. It doesn't feel like it. But uh, I was with a website for 18 years. And I walked away from it last April. I did the traditionally, if you're not a wrestling fan, the biggest uh, month or weekend of the year is WrestleMania week. And it's the Super Bowl of wrestling. And I chose to have that be like my last hurrah. So I covered a, what essentially was the last big WrestleMania anyway, because this year they couldn't um, do it in front of a crowd because of COVID. But um, I covered that show, uh, did a, uh, a two podcasts, and then that was it. And I, I completely washed my hands of it, walked away from it. I was completely burnt out on covering professional wrestling. Um, I did just about everything I wanted to do. Uh, made, made a website very, very successful. I grew it from an audience of about one to two million to over 40 million per month. So I was, what? I was a part of a lot of growth with that, with the websites, wrestleview.com. A lot of people listening to this are going to get, they're going to see this plug for this on my Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I also found fascinating last time we did this, uh, how many people that did listen to me talk about wrestling still come over and want to hear me talk about politics. Cause that was always kind of, it was an iffy thing. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was kind of like the wrestling guy. So what, what does the wrestling guy think about politics and who, what, what, why, why is he doing this? And so, uh, I walked away but from everybody. That. Everybody should have an opinion about politics. You would think right? so. Like, like, well, I mean, I don't, I don't say should, but everybody should feel entitled to an opinion about politics, whether, and, and everybody should listen to other people about their opinion of politics. Like I might think most Trump, like there are Trump voters that I think are like fucking deplorable. Right. But, but it, they have a perspective that, that it, you need to listen to and you, you need to try and understand it. Even if you find it disgusting uh, even if I find them deplorable, that that perspective helps inform my politics and how to communicate about it, yeah, right? Yeah. So that if there are similar people who are standing in the middle, um, or like, and maybe we should go about our our political origin stories at some. some I think point. I think like we what, should, yeah. I think that like your be... your enlightenment point. Well, I but guess, like, and I guess I could kind of. I mean, I, I guess I could segue into after I um after I left WrestleView, I continued to obviously pay attention to politics but Mm -hmm. i started to go down a weird path with politics where i was so angry at the the choice that was put in front of me in 2016 and i remember Mm -hmm. going like the the first election i could actually vote for was the 2004 election with carrie and bush that was like my first time like the for on a national scale of okay i'm gonna cast my vote and then and then kind of observing that process being in college obviously the stigma with college is well you're in college, so of course you're going to be liberal, um, and it's not wrong because it's it's definitely accurate. But the the connotation is that as you get older and you 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 know you get married and you buy a house and you pay taxes and you have a mortgage and you start to develop a four hundred one k, you're going to start to lean a little bit more conservatively because you're going to see where that money's going and then you're going to do a little more research and stuff. Um, so I, I I was fascinated at that process in two thousand four. I was even more involved in 2008 because I was at the University of Iowa. So I was doing political polling um, for that election. I got Mm -hmm. to meet just about anybody that was running for president because they all swung through Iowa City. Um, I sat in a room with uh, with Barack Obama before he was really I remember you telling that story. Yeah, and he's was, kind of bumblefucked into the office at Kirkwood, and he's yeah. like chilling in the corner. Well, this, this was at Iowa, actually. So I, I, he was he did go to Kirkwood later that day, but this was at the University oh, okay. of Iowa. So I was taking a political science class, and Edward mm-hmm. Norton, the actor, I believe, was the person that, and maybe yeah. he did something different. But you can find it actually. I found it recently on iTunes. Um, you can, and it's on the Apple if you have the Apple app as well. Um, a documentary that HBO did following Barack Obama around when he wasn't expected to uh, get the nomination, do well at all. He just had that, that speech in 2004 at the DNC convention that everyone loved. So they followed him around, and they, they weren't expecting him to, to do well, and they just, they just thought it was, oh, here's a young senator from Illinois. He's running for president. Let's see how this goes. And I remember being in a political science class. I forget the class that what was in it, but the professor goes, hey, um, Senator Barack Obama is sitting next door. If you want to go talk to him, He's trying to earn your vote. And if you're undecided, essentially at the mm-hmm. time I was completely undecided. Um, I, I had no idea who I was going to vote for. So I, I walked in the room. I had to sign a little uh, sheet of paper and he was just sitting there in the corner and it, it was a little formal. Like they walked you in and they, they had you sit down. 
but he was super chill. And the first thing I asked him, I said, Hey, what are you going to do about this stupid Patriot act thing? And he immediately started laughing and he's like, I want to get rid of it. Obviously, you know, we can get into that later. That didn't happen under, under president Obama. Right. It actually got at worse uh, under him. Yep. Uh, but it, I, I, it was, it was fascinating to have that, to have that sit down with him in that conversation. And then I had similar conversations with, uh, with John McCain and, and Mike Huckabee and uh, a ton of people that, that came through Iowa city. Um, and then it was, it was really fascinating to be on the, the polling side of it. Cause I didn't really understand. I was always kind of ignorant to polling. I always thought, Oh, they're, they're talking to like 200,000 people, 300, they're, they're polling like four or 5,000 people at the most. And that's even an aggressive poll. So I would sit down at a computer. I would have a bank of calls. I'd make about a 250 to 300 calls in the span of a couple hours, mm-hmm. uh, bang through them, put the answers in boom. That, and that's how that stuff got essentially transmitted to DC when they would have polls out. Um, and then of course the, the, the campaigns would get that stuff. But I was, I thought that was, it was just kind of fascinating to, to be on that side of it. And then, um, I was in Australia for the, uh, the, the second part of Obama's term when he went up against Mitt Romney. I, I actually decided not to cast a vote that year because I didn't want to vote for Obama. I voted for Obama in 08. I did not want to cast a vote for him again. I was not thrilled with Mitt Romney as a candidate. Mm-hmm. So I went to, uh, Australia for my, uh, wedding anniversary was I was in just outside of Sydney when the election results went down. So that was even more fascinating to watch Australian media cover uh, the, the election results. And then to just like talk to people that obviously they would hear us talk. So they would hear our accent and they would start asking and stuff about, about Barack Obama and politics and stuff. And then around the time of the following election was when we did this podcast. And I remember you giving me this like glare when I said, I am not voting for Donald Trump and I am not voting for Hillary Clinton. I thought they were both terrible candidates. (laughs) I thought they were both completely unqualified to lead this nation. Um, especially Donald Trump. I thought he was incredibly unqualified. I I had a myriad of concerns with Hillary. Um, but I, I, I just thought she was a terrible candidate. I thought she was someone that would always be, somewhat effective in, in like a cabinet role or, or a, some kind of a DC role, but as president of this country, absolutely not. Um, you, you, no way. But I remember yeah. you telling you and you're like, well, who did you vote for? And I remember on the podcast saying, well, I ended up just voting for Gary Johnson. And you just kind of this like, Jesus. <laughs> so I, so I had this, oh, like, you I felt the judginess. Oh, you? I, you were, you were sitting, did I get that judgy? You were about five feet from me and you, you had, you glare. I remember you glaring at me as I went into my explanation and it, and in, in honestly, in truth, I, I thought both candidates were so terrible that I just decided to vote for Gary Johnson, who quite frankly, yeah. wasn't that qualified either. I mean, he didn't know what Aleppo was. And that, that was his big gaffe before the election. Right. Um, like so, right at, not, not like didn't know what Aleppo is. Cause didn't even know what was going on. I forgot. Yeah. It was literally happening like that, like over the last, the week that yeah. he was being asked that had no idea in which like hundreds of thousands of people were being like Murdered. violently attacked. Yeah. He was like tens of thousands gassed and killed. Like, that's kind of something from like a security standpoint. You, you might want to at least comment on something. And he was just like, what's Aleppo? Right. And I was like, Oh no. Um, yeah. but I, I, I remember voting for him. And then as soon as the election I was like, okay, this is going to be really, really fascinating to watch the, the Trump presidency because there was, there was such like a, a fired up base of people that were like, yeah, pro they were so pro Trump. They were so happy there. And I remember like for a brief moment for like two or three months, like, all right, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give this a shot. I'm going to, I'm going to see, I don't think it's going to go well, but I'm going to be optimistic. And boy, was I wrong. Um, it was, mm-hmm. Obviously, we can get into that in future episodes. But as as soon as that happened, though, I remember 
I, at the time I was like obsessed with being on like Reddit and imager and stuff. And I remember specifically on imager, there was a, a topic that someone says, Hey, if you are upset that, 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 uh, about this past election, whether you were upset that Trump won or whether you were upset that the candidates sucked or whatever, um, here, here are some people that will likely run for president, um, in four years. And I remember going, okay, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to take in the Trump thing, but I'm also going to focus on what could be coming in the next couple of years. And I zeroed in on Tulsi Gabbard. I remember also being in, running into you in a super target telling you in person, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in, in this Tulsi Gabbard because she was someone who went to bat for Bernie Sanders and actually exposed the corruption of the DNC and stepped down and got just basically was given warnings like, hey, if you do this, if you if you put yourself out there and, and basically put us on blast, we're going to basically make your life a living hell. And I, and I eventually saw that on a much larger scale as, as her presidential aspirations were obliterated by a comment that was completely ridiculous from Hillary Clinton, which we can talk about in, in future shows. But I, I remember thinking like, like I, I, I'm, I feel politically alienated right now in this country. Um, yeah. I don't identify with Republicans. I don't identify with Democrats. When you when you go into that independent territory, you then get into that. Oh, you're just going to vote for the third party candidate. They're going to lose every single time they run. I honestly thought this was the year where we could have someone so different because Donald Trump. I if, if I took any positive from Donald Trump winning, it was he was so out of the norm that it. it, it I was like I, I had like I had genuine hope. That someone could 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 break through that that dumb left right argument the yeah and it obviously didn't happen uh, we we are where we are now um, but that's kind of been my my uh, my my path I guess if that's what you want to call it I started yeah. to, to dive really more into the there's a great book I, I highly recommend it um, I I love watching the show anyway because it's it's basically two people with two completely different ideologies and politics. Um, it's a show called rising and it's the, it's produced by the hill yeah. and crystal ball and, and Sagar and jetty are the hosts and crystals uh, considered more left and Sagar's considered more right. And they put this book out called the populist guide to 2020, a new right and left um, are rising. And they both break down. Like this is what's happening on the left. This is what's happening on the right. This is why these competing ideologies are taking place. They really did a good job of just kind of, laying it out on the table. And I thought, and it was kind of up to you as the, as the reader of the book, where, what camp you think you still belong to. But at the same time, I read the book, loved the book, still walked away thinking both of these parties completely stink. Um, yeah. No one represents me. Uh, and, and then the person that was, was willing that I thought to, to approach things from two different sides in Tulsi Gabbard was essentially just politically assassinated in front of everybody in the media because that's you can't do that you you're not allowed to be a member of the military and also criticize the military industrial complex it's not allowed and i'm i'm someone who went to college specializing in journalism thinking you know studying that liberal bias and the media bias and the the and this was this is prior to the fake news stuff that the that the mm. trump machine created and I'm thinking just that didn't, I, I knew it was there, but I didn't think it was prominent. And wow, have, have my eyes been opened. Um, and it's, and, and, and not in like a, I, I told you so in like, like a sad way of like, I can't believe that this is really happening. I, I watched it play out with a person that 
I didn't agree with on everything, but there was, but I, I agreed with the approach and I, I was like, I was, I had like false hope, like, okay, maybe someone's going to crack through there. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at politically. I, I would not call myself a democratic socialist. I wouldn't call myself uh, a liberal. I wouldn't call myself a conservative. I, I guess the only camp I could put myself into is independent because I think both parties stink right now. Um, and then I'm, well, obviously we're a couple, how many weeks are, are we five weeks away from the election? Five weeks. Yeah. Five weeks. I, I'm exactly back where I was five years ago, Sean, where I think the Republican <laughs> candidate fucking stinks. I think the Democratic candidate fucking stinks. Yep. Uh, I, I literally have no idea how I'm going to vote in five weeks. I plan to go in person. I did not want to do the absentee stuff this year. I know probably from a, from a safety perspective, it would have been probably smarter to do that. Um, and, and I've, again, I'm railing off different topics that I'm sure we'll cover in the future, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm almost back in the same seat I was in five years ago where I was like, I have to pick between these two people and I'm in yeah. the exact same place again. And it's, it's these sad two failed ideologies that are still like still there scrapping at each other for like airtime like yeah. unearned media in the news cycle for who can have the best awful like twitter take you know what i mean like like oh he tweeted this and i'm gonna have the best twitter take watch this tweet like no go do your fucking job yeah yeah you're like the 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 whole system has been it was broken like broke like it, it it is it didn't become broken it was broke right like it like if you say like oh it just it, like if you if you intone that it just kind of devolved into this there's no agency in the people who have created this like there is agency that people broke it right mm-hmm. they chose to break it because it's easier to have it broke then become some kind of adversarial figure to the evil one air quotes evil people and then use that evil and the fear of that evil to get people to vote for you because they're not as bad as the other. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it's like a a practice. And honestly, for me, it feels like a practice in alienation where yes, I, when, when someone starts talking to me in person about politics, I, I'm usually pretty easy to talk to about politics because I'll talk to people that are pretty, like I could tell within two or three minutes, I know what camp they're in. But it's always strange to me that they that they, they the assumption process that takes place in these conversations where I will say something uh, bad about the the president Donald Trump and they'll automatically assume that I'm 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 in Biden's camp and I'll go absolutely mm-hmm. not and that the look on their faces and and, and that's where it's it's it, it I feel like I'm on a on an island and I know I'm not the only I'm sure there are people that are listening to this right now that feel the exact same way that I do right. And I have to, to steal something that my buddy Hunter Golden said, who I would love actually at some point to have uh, come on the show with us because he's someone, he's a... Uh, he was on the last... last he was. He in, was. He's up in the... Or he's in the uh, like New England area, right? Massachusetts, yeah. He's a, yeah. Uh, what I would call an East Coast Republican. And he's someone that... Um, he, he, I, I kind of... Uh, I, I tossed out a fishing line to him the other night because I knew I was going to be taping this. I didn't tell him that I was taping this, but um, he, he actually said something that really resonated with me where he said, it feels like people are just exhausted right now. And that's how I feel about politics in general. Like, and and not so much like from a local level, like 
local politics, I feel like I can take in a lot easier because there's a lot of, it's, it's very black and white. It's on a national scale. It's just exhausting to well, local take politics. In. There aren't millions and billions, literally billions of dollars trying to obfuscate mm-hmm. yeah. what's going on. Right. So Absolutely. it's easier to be like, well, Tim, the guy on the city council is trying to give his buddy some land. Like it's pretty cut and dry. It's very cut and, and dry. And there's nobody like paying the news media not to talk about that. You yeah. know, like yeah. You know what I mean? Like it like and that's a, just a completely made up thing, but it's easier to understand, it's easier to get to the bottom of. Uh and and there isn't that much money behind it. You know what I mean? Well, it it, it also just and, and yes, the money's a, a big key. And I mean, you're still going to see the ads and stuff. Like I'm still getting, you know, inundated with local ads, which you know that's that's inescapable. But you're right, though. It's very cut and dry. It's very black and white. And mm-hmm. on a national, like we're about to, with the reason we wanted to record this now is because there's the a debate coming up on Tuesday between Biden and Trump. It's going to be on. I guess it's going to be on Fox News because I saw Chris Wallace is going to be moderating it. Um, and I and Wallace has been. Uh, fucking dick punching Trump the last couple of months. If I don't know if you've noticed, but he's been going after Trump on Fox news of all places. You know, I, I don't watch any TV. Like I just don't, I don't have time. Sure. And then when, when I go to bed, my wife is already watching her shows. Uh, so mine, my news comes from a few sites that I visit. And then the massive amount of reporters that I follow on, on uh, Twitter. Sure. And then I, I link, I read the, things that they've written about in the link that they provide or whatever. And so I, I'm I've curious. seen Chris Wallace. Oh, he's done clips. it. I, I'm, I'm almost willing to bet that the president will mention that at the debate um, and, and immediately call the, the process mm-hmm. biased just because of the stuff that Wallace and Wallace is raising perfectly logical points, but um, that's what I think is going to be interesting about Tuesday. So we'll definitely come back on here and, and mm-hmm. kind of react because I don't, I don't even really know what to expect. Because, I, you know, Can we, you want to make predictions? Should yeah, we do predictions. Let's do, yeah, let's do, let's do a prediction. So you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You go first, because I, I, okay. I gotta, I gotta take it in. So what, so what's your of prediction for, for? Because how long is this probably going to be? Like in like two hours, maybe less. The, or? the debate probably two hours. Okay, so bet. in that two hours, who do you think comes out looking stronger at the end of the Trump. night? Okay, Trump. And why do you say that? I think. So I, uh, I hate Trump. Don't don't get me wrong. But in terms of like the the air quotes who won the debate, Trump's just great at lying. Chris Wallace is gonna say, "Hey, you said some disgusting stuff," and he'll go, "No, I didn't." I'm like, what are you gonna do? He just he just won't accept reality. You could say like, uh, "Mr. President, you said that X, Y, and Z was awful." No, I didn't. They're great. I really like them. What? No, no, you didn't. I have a tape right here. Ah, uh, that's that's out of context. And this is a liberal. This is the bias of liberal media, and and no one who is a, a Trump acolyte will will t- ever trust anyone else over Trump. And it, like he will, all he has to do is not be completely insane, and he'll look pretty good, right? Because he was very good. I, I remember we had conversations, and we can always dig this audio out too and, and re re-upload it the just his his aura at the republican debates where he would zero in and i and i even yeah. said at the time and i know 
I, and I'm in the same camp. I, I'm, I've not been a fan. I've not been impressed. Um, I, I was willing to give it a, an opportunity, and I've not been impressed. But when it, when he was doing those debates and he was going out, that's when I thought genuinely, okay, this is going to be entertaining to watch someone just crucify these guys because these guys all talk like robots. Right. And, they are, and they couldn't stop. They he couldn't. was in the middle of crucifying them for being weird yeah. robots programmed by billionaires. And he was good at it. And they and they couldn't stop doing it. They would throw it back to them and they'd go right into their like canned speech because they had literally no ability. And then you have Trump who doesn't think about what he's saying at all. No. Or why he's saying it. And and I think now this time on the other side, Trump doesn't have to like spout verse about what his plans are. He just has to tell people that he has plans because that's all he ever says. He'll deny anything is bad. He'll deny that he did anything wrong. He'll push off the blame. He'll uh, he'll admit nothing, deny everything, and make counter accusations. Meanwhile, like the Joe Biden of 2012, Joe Biden of 2015 is is gone. Yeah. Like it, you can't show me a clip of the guy, a long clip of the guy, very often that doesn't have him gaff ridden. And I said this like to you know before the the democratic debates and by gaffrin i don't necessarily but i mean like the guy's trailing off he'll forget his words and i, I just don't i don't see it happening this time i certainly hope it does because i love there i love for there to be a juxtaposition between between biden and trump but my fear is that and the president like trump just tweeted it out earlier today that he wanted to to drug, drug test, test yeah i saw that biden <laughs> and I, i'm i'm fairly certain that 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 there's a reason for that i'm fairly certain they're going to pump him up with something to get him performing but like i just don't think he's got it in him i don't think he's got the i don't think he's mentally there enough to carry on a debate with somebody like trump yeah. who isn't gonna follow any kind of track other than he's going to full-on attack Biden for everything and call him a communist and a Marxist and have no meaning for any of that. But, like, I don't think Biden... Uh, I think Biden will look just like the rest of the field looked in front of Trump. I'd love to know if there's going to be a crowd because that's always something that um, is definitely plays a role, I think, when, when there's crowd. And I know that they always yeah. encourage the audience not to, to clap or stand, but there's always you always hear something. There's always reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be the case on Tuesday, if they're going to have this be closed circuit and, and just, you know, very intimate um, because of everything going on with COVID right now. Um, so that, that he does do better in front of a crowd. He does. he does a lot better in front of a crowd. And that's where I'm that, that's kind of where I was leading. I was like, if he doesn't have that to play off of, um, does he does he panic because he's always had a crowd when he was doing these debates yeah. and, and if that isn't and I don't know and maybe we can find that out um, if there's going to be one but I I, I don't think anything you said is wrong and I, I don't think anything uh, that, that you have seen in the last year would would lead me to believe that that probably won't happen because of the gaffes that Biden has made um, I, I remember sitting I was in Kansas City visiting family when the first started, I think it was, I think it was a super Tuesday. Um, and I was, I was thinking to myself, like, there's just, just no way Joe Biden's going to get this nomination. There's no way. Absolutely not. And then mm-hmm. when I started seeing these people, you know, dropping out and endorsing, I went, Oh no. 
And it, and it just, it was almost, and, and then I said to myself, are they, are they tanking on purpose? Because they, they know they don't have anybody that can go up against Trump. So let's tank and regroup. But I also don't think the DNC is that smart. I can't give them enough credit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, based on their, their prior candidate and the one that they propped up this, this time. So I, I can't give them that much credit, but I, I do agree with you that in that debate setting, uh, Trump is very, very, very good at it. And you're right. If he has yeah. a crowd, he's even, it just, it gets ramped up even more. And the DNC, like from everything I've heard and everything I've seen come out of them is they don't have any real intention on fighting for a win. Yeah. Right. Like they, they have a way that, that their business moves on business as usual. And the people who are involved in running the DNC, the staff, the staffers, um, the consultants, the media buyers, like they're going to get paid. And the success in putting somebody in the seat just is the, like, that's the job for them. Yeah. Like the 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 winning, the winning is a bonus, but maintaining their status in that hierarchy is the overarching goal, not advancing an ideology. Well, right? speaking of the, the DNC, do you want to talk about the, the debacle that, uh, that we experienced here in our state for the uh, Iowa caucus? <laughs> yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago. Though. It does, but it was like, only what, nine months ago or less yeah. than that, maybe eight months ago. Yeah. Iowa um, caucus, uh, was, uh, February 3rd. Yeah. I think of I 2020. So. Yep. And then we went on, I went on my last trip for work in the beginning of March, the first week of March, and then I pulled the kids out of daycare and then the country started locking down. While I was in, I was in Florida and the country started locking down and I was like, oh boy. (laughs) And I want to say we were hearing, I remember being, again, I was in Kansas City that same, I think it was around that, that same weekend, hearing that obviously things could start to get bad, but it hadn't gotten bad. So it was like what, Mm -hmm. mid-February-ish when... This was right before the lockdown. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Um, but there was the, 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 I, my experience I know was far different from yours and yours was way more fascinating than mine. So I'll, I'll knock mine out fast. Cause you, we actually have an audio clip of you kind of the night of it happening. And I want people to listen to it briefly if you never got a chance to, but um, I, so this was the, so the, the prior caucus, Sean and I both went to the same, uh, precinct at Kirkwood. Sean has since relocated to a different part of Iowa. So you had your own thing going on. I had my own thing. My, uh, my neighbor next door to me actually decided to come meet me. He actually works nights, but was able to get out of work to show up. So I, I go to this tiny little room. It was very different from our experience where we went to a bigger room. I went to this little tiny room. First of all, I go to a location that was supposed to be the location, which was a uh, uh, like a rec center for Kirkwood. I get to that location. There's a sign on the door that says it has been changed. So that mm-hmm. was my first, like what's going on here. So thankfully there was somebody that stood there and redirected people. So I make it with like maybe 15 minutes to spare. They were pushing people away. If they showed up 30 seconds past yeah, for, the, the deadline. For, for context folks, um, anybody who walks up, if your if your caucus starts at seven, you don't get to walk in after they close the door. Yeah, it's done. It's done. It's like you have, like if you show up, you show up seven oh one. 
you are disenfranchised. You do not get to caucus. You do not get to pick somebody for your for your candidate. I listened to uh, uh, she had to be early thirties at least, just arguing loudly in the hallway, going, "This is ridiculous. I am a voter. I have showed up. Mm-hmm. I, I I have obligations tonight, but I made sure that I could get here." She was maybe thirty to forty five seconds late to, yeah. to that door shutting, and they would not let her come in. Yep. Um. So I was stuck in this little room. <clears throat> and I, I had every, I, I was, I walk in and everyone had their their sections. There was a Bernie section, there was an Andrew Yang section, a Joe Biden section, Elizabeth Warren section. Um, I'm trying to think if there was any any other candidates that were being. Oh, uh, who was the the dude that sounded like Barack Obama this year? The mayor, Buttigieg. Uh, Buttigieg. He had a he had a smaller section, but he had a section. Um, and I remember going like, well, um, I'm I'm the only Tulsi Gabbard supporter here. <laughs> I stood there and I I was the lone vote for Tulsi Gabbard and I got laughed at, but I, I didn't care because I I wanted to to cast a vote for her. Mm -hmm. Um, So after that first round went through the next round, uh, it was basically down to Warren Biden and Yang Buttigieg got booted out quick. And the Biden camp had the opportunity to go distribute to another camp and every single person that was there for Joe Biden walked out and left. They weren't mean about it. They shook everybody's hands. They were nice, but they walked out. They did not want to cast a vote for anybody else in that room. Hmm. Ultimately it came down to, um, I want to say I, I, I have to dial back up all my notes. I can't remember who won in my district. It was, it was kind of a blur that night. Um, I think the final vote tally that I had, I was actually tweeting out the screen when they were using the, uh, the app, which I'm sure you had a similar experience with too, but they were putting, they were literally putting the phone on the screen. So I think, uh, it came down to, uh, Bernie Sanders was, he had 21 votes. Elizabeth Warren had 17, Andrew Yang had 12 and Joe Biden had 11. Um, that's how it ended in my little tiny area, but Mm -hmm. we were watching them putting stuff up on a screen with also as they were inputting the data into this app, which later became a train wreck of, of a a misfortune. But, um, that was kind of my experience though. I, I, I observed it, um, walked out thinking, Hey, this was the, the, the voter card thing was weird too. Um, having to Mm -hmm. fill out a card. We didn't do that four years ago. We just stood in the camp and they counted and then we were done. So the, the, there was a lot of confusion there, um, a lot, a lot of confusion. But I remember walking, mm-hmm. going like, "Okay, that was different." Obviously, there was there was a big aftermath. But I remember, I remember you. I, I can't remember if I contacted you or you emailed me, um, and you had told me, "Hey, uh, you got to listen to the segment that I did on the Majority Report with Sam Cedar, who, by the way, um, that documentary I talked about, um, the original majority report was with Janine Garofalo on air America. That's how mm-hmm. that show first started. Mm-hmm. So Sean, uh, you were a, you were a precinct captain f- at your district. I guess I'll let yep. you get into your process and then we'll, we'll play a clip from when you were on the, the majority report. Yeah. So I was precinct captain. So I had, uh, phone banked, knocked on doors for Bernie, uh, coming up to the caucus and then when the caucus rolled around, uh, showed up and I put up the signs and it was a, it was a, my first time having been the, the, the precinct captain. So I had my badge and everything superficial. And, uh, we, um, you got to get there early and then welcome people and then keep them corralled. So in mine, it was a pretty lively place. There was, uh, Warren Biden, 
Yang, Buttigieg. Um, and I think there was somebody else, but I can't off the top of my head remember. But uh, as people come in, you greet them, you try and get them to sit down by you. And you've got a little area, and and if I if when I do this again, I'll get there even earlier to stake out the best spot that's the most defensible, because um, you have people coming over trying to pull your people away. And I found that like I was an outlier in that I wasn't deciding in the room who I wanted to go sit with, right? Who I wanted to caucus for, and there oh, were people okay. who would walk in who were just like. Well, I'm here. Convince me. I'm like, what? <laughs> How do you not know? This is like you're the you're we're the first group of people who get to pick the contenders for the presidential prim- like that are going to take on Donald Trump and how awful he's been for our country and and you don't know? Like what you want me to explain this to you? Interesting. And, and the there was I, my my faith in some of those people was shaken, um, and I I had a, a bit of a surreal experience there, where I I, I knew a few people that would walk in and I talked to them, um, and I'm in sales, so my I go to a lot of trade shows, and part of my job if the booth is slow you walk out in the aisle, and you just engage people that are walking by, and and I work with. Uh, uh, um, and I work with the military, so I'll go to some trade shows and the military will be there. So it's pretty easy. You can walk by and, hey, Sergeant Major, you got a minute to talk about this? And, you know, grab their attention. So people walk in and I grab their attention. Like, I'm Sean. I'm here with Bernie. I'm, here's, would you like a sticker? Who are you caucusing for? I'd love to have you. Um, things like that. And there would be tons of people who had no ideology. Or they'd say things like, Hey, yeah, I love Bernie. I love what he's saying. And I really agree with everything he's saying. I just, you know, I'm concerned that he's not going to be able to pull it off. So I'm going to, I'm going to go over here with Joe Biden. I don't, I don't like what Joe's saying, but you know, he's, he's safe. And that's what we need right now. I heard that a lot in mine too. Like it, all of those people, like I'm telling you, most of the people sitting with Biden, I, I should take it back. If you came for Yang, if you came for Elizabeth Warren, those people were were enthusiastic and understood um, what they wanted. And and Tulsi, uh, there was one guy. It sounded like the same thing with you, um, where <laughs> he's like, Tulsi, "Nope, yeah. I'm first round. Uh, I'm gonna be here because I like Tulsi and I want her name up on the board as having one vote first round." Yeah. And then he's like, "If you if you need me for viability, I'll come over and join you for second round." And I was like, "All right, that's fair, man." That's exactly what I did. Yeah. So it it was, it was a bit of a surreal uh, experience that that something I held very important, and I do feel this might sound cheesy, but I do feel that um, while I may not agree that I was the first caucus or primary of of how we pick our president, I do take it very seriously. Uh, I do a lot of research. I've taken it very seriously uh, in ed- in being engaged politically that that um that people would show up and not have any idea why they were there <laughs> it was a little bit foreign to me so um that from there it just got a bit nuttier and a bit nuttier so if you want to do you want to listen to that clip now and then we can talk about it yeah so you context. so this was you had already left your uh your precinct 
and I, I totally forgot that that Sam was gonna broadcast live. Um, he's got a very popular show on YouTube. Um, they broadcast. They either premiere stuff live or they go live. And you called in and mm-hmm. essentially broke down the process, and I, I could not believe the stuff that you were revealing. Like it was, it was shocking to me because you know this is. This is before video came out of people flipping coins and in some yeah. precincts. I could not believe we were flipping coins in Iowa to decide how some votes were counted. Yep. But I remember being blown away by what you said. So we'll, we'll play a little bit of this um, and, and feel free to stop me if there's something you want to jump in on. But sure. this is uh, this is Sean calling into uh, the majority report with Sam Cedar. This took place on February 3rd of this year. You can find it on YouTube if you want to listen to it. It's called 2-3 Live Iowa Caucus Results. So here we go. Here's uh, Sean calling in. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Sean from Iowa. Sean from Iowa. Where um, you are calling from? The um, where, where are you calling? That's from? a work phone. It'll it'll that's a work phone. It'll lead you to Pennsylvania. But I live in Iowa for sure. Okay, and um, uh, so I'm in go ahead. Eastern Iowa. All right. And where'd you call? Yeah, I'm in Eastern Iowa. Uh, I was caucusing tonight uh, outside Cedar Rapids a little bit, kind of working class area, a little bit more affluent. And uh, first alignment, Bernie didn't make it. I was a precinct captain for Bernie. Wow. Okay. So that was a bummer. Wasn't viable. So um, the the campaign asked us to stick around to make sure that if there are any rules changes or anything like that, um, that we at least had a, a voice. So most of us did. Some of us realigned with, with Elizabeth Warren, and I was kind of marshalling people. And when they did, um, the Amy Klobuchar, Biden, Pete Buttigieg group kind of realigned. It looked like it was going to be Klobuchar and Buttigieg. Hmm. And then we went over to Warren, so it ended up being Warren and uh, Pete. I really, I completely forgot Amy Klobuchar ran for president until you said I did too. Totally forgot. Sorry. Just wanted to interject. Which yeah, was unfortunate. But... The good news is that no one knew the rules and everybody left. And then I was the only one who was able to explain what happens next, including the person coordinating the event or the caucus. And now I am a delegate. So while Bernie didn't have viability, the people there, because I knew what I was doing, voted me to be the delegate, even though Bernie didn't win. And now I'm, I can go and vote for whomever I want because the people there sent me to go. So I want to I want to pause because as you said that Sam Cedar looked up at the people that are producing his show with a look of shock on his face, <laughs> and I'm and I'm not exaggerating. He literally went, uh, "What you?" And just to recap what you said, you said that Bernie did not make mm-hmm. the first cut, but because you seemed to know what you were doing, they put you in charge, which in a way gave you the ability to vote for for Bernie. Yeah. Later There's on. There's more to the story afterwards now okay. that things have played itself out. Okay. Do you so, want to keep playing the rest of this or is that, was that the gist of it? Um, yeah, I can, I mean, I can retell the story or whatever you want. Let's, let's listen to a little bit more. Okay. There's a bit of incredulity there. Okay. Here uh, we go. And then I'll tell you when to cut it. Okay. <laughs> Excellent, wow. man. So, so wow. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if CNN can capture democracy is uh, uh, beautiful. It really is beautiful to see democracy in action. Um, what? Uh, yeah. So wait. So what's the delegate count? We have one un. I guess uh, <laughs> one rogue delegate. One, rogue delegate. <laughs> one for. All right. So get one. Ro- and then wait. I'm sorry. Say again. 
technically one for Pete and technically one for Warren, but we're not quite sure whether I took the Pete slot or the Warren slot. Oh my God. But I took a slot. Okay. So again, as you said that both of them put their hands over their face and look, (laughs) this is why. And I, I remember listening to this going like, what is going on? Like this is, this is, and when he said that this is democracy at its, like the fact that so, you could do that. So, so, t- so yeah. tell me how that played out. Cause obviously you, did you get a chance to essentially cast your vote with COVID taking place later this year? How did that, how that work? So uh, in, in the room, everybody left from, so we uh, kind of the, the counts are final and it's just you standing around underneath the sign. And then you have like a little placard card that you, you write your name on. Mm-hmm. And then the person takes your placard card as the vote. That's how they count them. And then they counted them out, and it was Warren and Biden. And those were the two. Those were the two that that had the most votes. So they were the ones who were able to send delegates. That was the delegate count. We had two delegates to send. Those were going to be the two delegates. But everybody left. And according to the rules, you're supposed to vote on the person that you send as delegate. It's not supposed to just be the precinct captain. Sure. But the way that it was done was the precinct captain just said, thanks, everybody, and sent him home and assumed the place of delegate. Oh, my God. And so I had asked everybody from the Bernie side to stay. Mm-hmm. There was one guy from – I'm sorry, I think Buttigieg. Sorry, Buttigieg, not Biden. Buttigieg okay. had the – so Buttigieg and Warren. There was one guy for the Buttigieg campaign, and there was two ladies – from the Biden camp or from the uh, uh, Warren campaign that had stayed and six people from the Bernie campaign that stayed with me. So I can't remember the exact count. It was either five or six total people. And then the lady coordinating everything. So then when it came down and she, she read the rules and I, she said election, we have to elect the, the delegates, right? The Warren ladies, voted the one voted for the other one and so they was that one that lady and then they were talking about all right who's gonna vote for the other ones and i and they the ladies were then asked for what are these two committee mean like what does this mean there's you can have the platform committee and the committee on committees and what we have to assign people to both of those committees what does that mean and i the lady coordinating the whole thing was like uh the plat i don't I don't know. I've never done this before. Oh my! God. And I, and I was like, well, the platform committee is is the guiding document that guides the 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 Democratic Party. So if you are the one who is on the platform committee, you decide what is presented to the body as the platform for the for the Lynn County Democrats that would then go to the state, sure, and then the state Democratic Party. Right. Like that's how the the platform is decided. And then that's supposed to be a reference or a guiding light to to the Democratic politicians as they pursue, you know, our political goals. And they're like, oh, okay. And then and then they'll ask the other lady, what's the committee on committees? And they didn't know. And I said, well, committee on committee is is where you're the person on the committee that decides what committees are going to be formed to investigate certain things. So if you are a progressive and you want to investigate some progressive goal and there's a, a person on the like you can start forming a committee that provides some kind of avenue for your political goals through 
how the party is going to investigate going after doing things via that committee, whatever the committee is going to work on, like the, the work being done to advance your political goal will be committee on committees. And they were like looking at me uh, like I was, had a, a arm going out of my head. And they're like, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, uh, yeah. I looked down at my shirt and it said Bernie on it. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And they're like, well, you know about how this works. These are two ladies for the Warren campaign. I was like, you know how this works. And I kind of stood up and I kind of went into sales mode. And uh, I started turning around in the middle of this circle of people. And I you know, told them I would love to be the person that goes on and does this. I, I, I think we're all progressives here uh, between Warren and Bernie. We share a lot of the same goals. And I would love to go and represent uh, this district it, it, and and uh, champion our progressive, you know, ideology. And I would, it was, I, I wish I'd have recorded it because, like, you can tell when you were on. <laughs> and, like, like 45 seconds into it, I'd done a full revolution. And I was like, that was pretty good. Shut the fuck up. Just, yeah, and stop. So, yeah, your like, brain cut it stop off, talking, right? It's, stop talking, yeah. And so the one of the ladies for the Warren campaign goes all in favor and then every, like four or five people said i so i was voted on with and, and do you think they had the knowledge knowing that you were going to go vote for bernie i i don't know what they thought because it doesn't make sense so i was voted on okay and the lady running the thing comes over and has me sign and give my information and then the Buttigieg guy goes Hey, wait, what? Yeah. And then she goes over to talk to him. And then a month later, two months later, now COVID had hit. Yeah. And there was, they were supposed to do an in-person that goes to, goes to online. And I called in and I checked and I was put down as an alternate, not as a delegate. Okay. Okay. And I don't know. I didn't take any pictures of the thing that I signed. Yeah. Right. Like the, it was like a fill out your information here for the caucus. Right. And I didn't know where, I didn't know what she put me down as. She put me down as an alternate, not as a, I as see. a delegate. I see. Okay. Even though I was technically, if you like following the rules, I was like, if, if I, all the Bernie people had been there, right. I had six Bernie people, two Warren people, one Buttigieg person. Everybody left, and if I'd have challenged it, if I'd have known enough on the books to challenge it and say, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to vote and ratify. Yeah. We never ratified anything, but we never. I was the only one who'd actually been voted on. If, we had a, if I'd have challenged it and said, we got to vote for who we're sending, and we got to ratify it, and they'd have had no one there, I could have shoved through two Bernie delegates. So... Read your rule books, folks. Yeah, I guess so. That's the moral of the story. So, so really, I mean, this this sounded really bad on on the majority report, but it was bad. It no was one, like the the person running the the caucus site. Yeah, wasn't sure of the rules. I was the only one sure of the structure or understanding of how things worked, but I didn't have the rule book in front of me, and I yeah. should have. Well, nothing was voted or ratified on, and I was voted on to go to the to go be to go to the convention and then i was put down as a as an alternate okay and then as things went on there was i don't know how they tried to contact me i was never contacted to go to huh. the county convention so i don't know exactly how that stuff worked out 
Well, if, if anything, it's a representation of what a debacle the Iowa caucus was this year. Um, Complete debacle. There was there was a big, um, obviously that that it got media attention for days. There was there was recounts. There was issues with the app failing for people. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned out that the <laughs> there was there was Buttigieg little... declared himself the winner. <clears throat> he did. Like um, went out first and said, "Like you shocked the nation." Allegedly, he had ties to the company that created this app. They were they were major major donors to his campaign. Yeah, so um, I, I I listened to an entire podcast about this. Okay, and the Iowa Democratic Party hired some consultants who were going to manage the caucus reporting by building an app. So what we've done for years, and it ain't hard, people. It's like a, it's a, it's a worksheet, yep. and then a person at the caucus site takes the math, does the math, assigns the delegates, and they used to call in yep. and report. Yep. But now they wanted to do it via an app. So the Iowa Democratic Party hired a group, and then that group outsourced another group to build the app. That second, both the first group and the second group, neither one of them had ever built an app before. <laughs> so i don't know like i've never built an Uh, app so i don't know how hard it is it's not easy but like if 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 democracy relied on me building an app you're all fucked yeah it was it was the the prevailing theory is that the iowa caucus probably will not exist next time and you know what i fucking guarantee you will you think it will oh yeah look there's so many people who are so invested in the system as it is changing it up changes the way it happens. Well, yeah, I, I could definitely, it's not going to happen. I, I, no... I, well, there was, there was like, do we do primary now instead of a caucus? Cause the caucus is so hard to understand and there's so many rules and people, and, yeah. and it just, I don't know. I, I always took it very seriously. The, the first time I could ever be involved in it. Um, obviously I was, I mean, I was kind of, I was embarrassed after it was all done. To, to, yeah, it to, was embarrassing. It was incredibly embarrassing for the state of Iowa. I mean, we, we are the first group of people that get to cast a vote. They get to set some kind of a expectation, and it just, it was embarrassing. It was a debacle. So, Well, and, was, and the, the, like, even you did the app, and the app was just for reporting. Yeah, yeah. Like, it didn't have any, like, the Bernie app had the math built in. It did, it did. Right, so because there were some I people using yeah the the tie-in to that because I it, it, I guess here's here's what I I felt good initially and by, and by math real quick by math if you have a certain amount of people and yes. you breach you you broach a first threshold you do you don't need to go to a second realignment but if you don't it's like this weird trip it's like this 3D chess where like if you if you reach x threshold you do need to go to a second realignment but True. if you reach y threshold you don't need to go for a second realignment but if you choose to go for a second realignment those of you who are initially chosen by the to go with a first candidate can't switch to another candidate all other candidates can switch but only if the caucus does X, Y, and Z to go to the second. Like, there's this weird like. And you pass out trying to understand everything. Right, and, like yeah. your brain starts bleeding. And I was and surprised they let me take on, uh, app, on a piece of paper. I was surprised they allowed me to take photos of the overhead projection that they were using. So I was taking photos of him putting stuff in on the app. I was taking photos mm-hmm. of his tallies. Uh, yep. I even, I mean, I, I stood up there and I looked at him. I'm like, I'm doing this. And he's like, that's fine. He didn't care. That's my, that's my advice to everybody who goes to an Iowa cop to goes to a caucus. If you are engaged, you need to bring the rule book with you. Yeah. There is a, there is a rule book that'll go line by line by line by line by line. 
what you should be doing like like this step and then once that's completed you move to the next step like it outlines everything that's one bring that rule book with you have read read through it and familiarize yourself with the the process and specifically the process at the end for counting delegates and then two if you are the precinct captain you should be doing all the math yourself taking photos verifying taking photos with the verifying and then at the end with the documents that are signed and going to be submitted like that's the official transcript of what happened in the room photo of that too well i'm going to be intrigued to see if we get another one because that was uh that was quite the shit show to, to yeah. be a part of but um <laughs> so outside of that taking place obviously we wanted to hit a couple quick things before we wrap up but um the the one thing that I've been observing, and I, I there's a couple quick things I want to hit before we wrap up, because um, we we're going to be rapid firing these these podcasts out this week because we're going to be reacting to the to the debate on Tuesday, um, which I think starts at seven Eastern I think or eight Eastern I can't remember. That's um, But the the one thing I've been I've been noticing, and this is another reference to where I was I was tossing the the line out to my buddies on the East Coast. Um, about the, the, the debate coming up, there was a, uh, an article that came out that basically insinuated, and this was, this is the, the 538. This is Nate, uh, Nate Stein, I believe. Is this the person who runs that? Nate uh, Silver. Nate Silver. I'm sorry. Um, they are predicting as of September 25th, that Biden will win 352 electoral votes and they're saying that this is a 76.7% chance of happening. Um, it was almost, that's almost the exact same numbers that they were predicting for Hillary though. And that's where I was kind of like, uh, are we, is this, are we doing this all over again? What's, and then I remember I, I tossed this out to my buddies on the East coast and one of them was like, absolutely not. There's no way. Cause he's, he's someone that was against Trump, but is now supporting Trump this time around and doesn't think that there's, there's no way that that's going to happen. The other person, Hunter was saying, absolutely. Uh, Trump is cooked. This is, this is, this is definitely happening. Um, Nate Stein put out another tweet. I wanted to read this quick to you, Sean, Nate silver, Nate silver. I keep fucking that up. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> I don't know who Nate Stein is. It's just, it's sticking in my brain. Nate silver. Uh, he tweeted this out actually on Sunday, Sunday morning. He said, you don't need a fancy algorithm to know that Trump is losing pretty badly at the moment. The Supreme Court pick doesn't seem to be helping him. The COVID situation might be getting worse again. Maybe these debates will help, but the clock is ticking. People are already casting their vote. So his impression that he's giving is that it's 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 locked up for Trump or for for Biden and that and that Trump is categorically there's I think they, they ran a bunch of different models. They said he has a an 11.1% chance of carrying the popular vote compared to Biden's 88.9%. Now I can see that happening again, because that's what happened against Hillary. Hillary mm -hmm. won the popular mm -hmm. vote. Um, this said the national polling average for Trump has reached 43.1% as of September 25th. Biden's national polling average was 50.3% as of September 25th. Uh, they do a state-by-state -state breakdown. Obviously, we don't have time to sit here and break every state down. In the state of Iowa, we get six electoral votes. Right now, it's in favor of Trump with 46.2% to Biden's 45. So that's closer than I thought it would be, actually, in this state. Um, yeah. So Closer than it should be, it, right? Like, 
Like, no. you have a historically bad president who is a fucking liar who lied about a pandemic that has killed over 200,000 Americans that is not even on the same chart as far as any other mortality rate for the rest of the world. And you can't break out of a statistical tie with the guy? Well, that's what... How that, that's fucking the, bad are you? That's that's the interesting aspect of, of Trump as a candidate because I am surrounded by people that love President Trump and you love cannot it. tell them anything. I mean, you no. literally can't find one example of him doing any wrong. And that's where I'm almost like, I sit back and I'm like, wow, this is a... This is a polarizing individual. And I don't know if it's people afraid to admit that they're wrong or they genuinely are excited. They're happy. It reminded me a lot of the enthusiasm for Obama in 2008 where they just the people just dug in and mm-hmm. they Well, dude, there's a lot of th- there's a lot of enthusiasm for Obama now. Which is yeah, I don't, right? Like yeah. not as a candidate, candidate any longer, but, just, but just like, a, yeah. but like you, you and I criticizing Obama turns all will turn a lot of people off from you as a oh as yeah, a yeah serious person absolutely. They get mad at you. For they that. would get very upset. Yeah, I mean, I because I get in those conversations where I'm like, yeah, I was an Obama voter, and I I was incredibly disappointed yep. with the end of his presidency. Just just absolutely disappointed, frustrated, upset. This is stuff Andrew Yang was saying on the on the campaign trail, yeah. and he worked for Barack Obama. Um, so I don't I don't feel like I'm I'm breaking uh, new territory there by criticizing. Right. Well, <laughs> criticizing right, but president. you know what I mean. Like, oh, I know what you mean. Like though, this yeah, immovable block, and for some reason, like Trump has, <sighs> He's Trump's got, got him locked up, dude. Like, he and does. I, I get it. I I I don't get it. But like, I don't get it. I don't. Understand. I do understand that mode. Like you're being handed the 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 line right like yeah you see trump fox news backs him 100 percent. oh yeah breitbart lauds him as the second coming charlie kirk is doing charlie daily kirk. podcasts about how great the trump presidency is and what a disaster it would be if, John, right. if joe biden wins and yeah and then facebook like you can look at the stats for facebook facebook boosts conservatives who laud trump like yeah. the, it is, a, it is a Facebook is a right wing ecosphere now. And like, it's it's this uh, shadow banning horseshit. Yeah, is is horseshit. It's not like the shadow banning is horseshit. It is the opposite. I wouldn't like, say then, the shadow banning thing isn't entirely fictional on Twitter. It is on on, on Facebook. Facebook is is pulling, uh, uh, essentially your personal data and 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 cre- if anything, Facebook is guilty of creating an echo chamber. Um, where you will occasionally see some dissenting opinions, but that the reason you're seeing those dissenting opinions is because People those yelling are, at it in the comments that and their family members of yours. So I have family yeah. members that are very very pro Trump that I'm not going to just unfriend because they're 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 pro Trump, but I'm going to see their 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 well, Trump I rhetoric. I got rid of Facebook. <laughs> I know I know yeah. you did. Yeah, you got completely. I got rid of Facebook. Yeah. I said, see you later. I know a lot of people then, that have completely gotten rid of Facebook. I've I've thought about it too, but I I don't. I use it as kind of like the way I use Instagram, where I have an Instagram account. I will occasionally share stuff, but I use it mainly just to to keep an eye on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of yeah. Like I, what I did get I, I I did get a new Facebook account, but only for Marketplace. Yeah, and then to follow. Uh, local on. politicians because that's where they post where we're going to go protest exactly and they and that and that's where the it's an it's a fascinating tool to see what what all those platforms have kind of got because because there there's there's a definite conservative bias on twitter 
I, I can't, mm-hmm. e- I can't even pretend it doesn't exist because it does on Facebook. It, it's, it, it just, it's it different. It's a very different vibe. It's, it's a different algorithm uh, than, than what Twitter's doing. Um, and, and you're, you're going to see dissenting opinions still on Facebook than you would maybe so much on Twitter because Twitter, you can kind of create your own environment. And then some things have happened that I've even questioned like, Oh boy, what country are we? But then again, it gets in, it gets into a different debate about companies having the, the, the rights to operate how they want to operate at the end of the day. It's not like they're violating your constitutional rights because it's on Twitter. It's, 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 a, right, it's an right, entity. Right. So, but like it, it is, a uh, Ben Shapiro is like one of the most shared people, like the most boosted and shared person on Facebook. Oh yeah. The, the, the ability to share video, well, video now dominates everything. So the ability to share video is huge on Facebook. It's big on Twitter, but not as big. Like you will get tweets that will blow up with video, but yeah, Facebook is definitely video centric. Now the way those, Mm -hmm. the way the algorithm works, the way the, the new code works, the way it goes, Hey, uh, Sean, you watched this video about uh uh bernie sanders so we're gonna show you another clip that's related to this and it's just it's very calculated it's kind of sneaky if you think about it mm-hmm. um it's something that google's been doing for a very long time and now facebook has caught up to it um but i wanted it so the, there there's that kind of um the, there's there's that going on right now early predictions right now we're what you said four or five weeks away mm-hmm. so that's a strong prediction um then there was a couple other things. The The Rock endorsed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on Sunday, and it exploded on Twitter. And he has obviously a huge following on Facebook, a huge following on Twitter, a huge following on Instagram. And you and I saw this interesting like response to it of people going like, "Oh, dude, I didn't even think of him as a pro wrestler. I don't even think of him as a wrestler." Oh, see, to like me, yeah, yeah, to me, he's like always a good a synergy for you. Yeah, no, he's. He's always at the end of the day going to be a wrestler to me, but he's now yeah. reached this, this pinnacle of popularity that even supersedes wrestling now. But yeah, it was fascinating to watch people react to his endorsement because he's never endorsed a candidate before, but it's strange. And then I, I, I shared a tweet on my feed of a wrestler in the WWE who kind of, kind of joked about it. And, and she had this funny tweet where she was basically saying that, you know, it's and to paraphrase what she was saying that you're mad that, uh, you know, you're telling celebrities essentially to stay out of politics, but you voted a celebrity into office. And the whole process is just very strange. Like we're watching a, a person who hosted uh, reality television. It is a weird process. Like the, the, the idea, it is a weird process. The, the idea that all these politicians and the media has started to treat it, the news cycle as a reality TV show. Yep. Like who has the best retort? Oh, look at who, what you know this person said on Facebook or Twitter, mm-hmm. or let's have them on for thirty-eight seconds to talk about their view. Well, you're just getting clippets. You're just getting sound bites. You're not. You're not going in. You're not diving into the the ideology of the person, the what drives them. Right. That's like, the new attention span, unfortunately, <clears throat> though that we're in is just it's right. Very, it's very quick right. and but, quick and dirty. But you're not breaking down those walls of yeah. like okay, let's okay seven minutes. It's pretty much all you can do for like your talking points. Yeah. Right. Like, and then if we have a 30 minute discussion, the, the last, you know, 20 minutes or so are going to be like what you believe, not like what your people told you to say sure. or the canned response. But like the, the, the 38 second bite, that's Trump's like, that's Trump's world. Yeah. That's, 
that's like he pops up. He knows how TMZ works. Mm-hmm. It's like this weird flip, 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 different uh, uh, screen or whatever. I don't know the, the word for it, but every, the, the screen flicks, the screenshot flicks from one thing to another so fast. And he knows that that the Rosie O'Donnell comment, <laughs> like, that's what plays. And he knows that when he stands in front of a camera and just says some crazy shit, yeah, or when he's on go. the debate stage, he doesn't have to be the one who has this long, so like dissertation on on international trade. He just has to tell you that China's cheating you, and you're all fucked. And he can tweet it out, and the, the right. news picks it up, and it's it it's perfectly. To this, him. this is going to be studied. I, I feel like in in universities when they when they approach uh, political history of utilizing social media as a platform mm-hmm. to distribute policy, um, it's definitely going to be studied. Speaking of that, we'll close with this because we're running a little bit longer than we probably needed to on our first show because we're going to be back in like a couple days. Because yep. um, there's so much I want to get into, but there's so much that we can like save and, and kind of really dive deep into. But as we were recording this, um, a story broke from the New York Times a few hours prior that revealed that Donald Trump paid only $750 in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017. And this is a story that uh, was was broke by the New York Times. Obviously, media across the board is picking it up. The article I'm looking at in particular is from Axios, which is essentially breaks these stories down. And it said the reason why this matters is that the Times bombshell report, uh, which is obviously they're referencing what we've been talking about, published just weeks before the election, um, essentially lays out the financial information for Trump that people have been you know, trying to find for so long that, that they, he's actually successfully kept secret for a long mm-hmm. time. And, and the allegations are that he only paid $750 in federal income tax in 2016 and 2017. and has over $300 million in personal debt obligations that will be coming due in the next four years. Whether or not this gets, I, I'm sure this is going to get brought up at the debate. Um, it's insane. There's, there's no way this doesn't get brought up on Tuesday. Um, the, the, and it, it, again, does that does, does that feel like a coincidence to you that this was brought up right before the debate? No. And, it, and no, it's I'm... it's very meticulous. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that the story is is biased or inaccurate because it's probably very accurate if they decided to go on record with it. Right. Um, and there, there's there's some. I mean, it, this isn't just like they're they're putting a figure. They're breaking right, it's down. It's not me and you. It's no, the, no. It's the New York Times. I mean, they're and I breaking. Read it either. And I know that there's going to be Trump voters that, uh, because of what he has said about the New York Times, they're going to discount it. But they're literally breaking down. I mean, I'm like, there's one portion here I'm reading that said Trump reduced his tax bill with questionable questionable measures, including a seventy-two point nine million dollar tax refund, which is now the subject of an IRS audit. He made $427.4 million from his apprentice show and the licensing and endorsements associated with that. So they're, they're breaking down essentially what, 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 what these tax, what this financial information reveals for, for anybody essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're just farting out a number going to, I mean, they're literally breaking this down. But I also, and, and as I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you and I'm saying this out loud, I know that there's Trump voters that go, so they, 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 it's not going to make much they, of a difference to a Trump voter, yeah. but they don't give may, a fuck. But maybe somebody that was on the fence might see this and go, Oh, hold on a second here. Dude, and, who's on the fence. 
there's there's honestly who's on the fence anymore like about this and i I mean honestly i would love to speak with those people like if if you have if you're on the fence for who to vote for not like i'm voting third party and i may vote by i mean like if you don't know whether you're supposed to vote but for for joe biden or donald trump go to anchor.m slash flyover politics and leave us a message we do want to hear from you i'm we'll, we'll happy you brought, it. i'm happy you brought that up because we we do want to we do want to pump that as we close this so sean uh thank you by the way for doing that because i would have forgot uh anchor.fm sorry go ahead well i was just gonna plug anchor.fm slash flyover politics there's a button that says message you can leave us an audio message obviously with what Sean is asking is what we would be fascinated to hear, obviously to from, from that, that side of the fence of someone that hears this information and doesn't care. Or like you said, someone that is on the fence, like really, really on the fence as the, as we're approaching the first week of October. Yeah. And uh, I would love to hear what about both of them is, is uh, endearing to you or attractive to you in a candidate and what is off putting for yeah. both of them. And, and what motivates you to, to vote? You know, what what gets you out of bed in the morning when you're thinking about politics and what motivates you to to choose a candidate? If one of them did X, Y, or Z, that's the, the person for me. So I'd, I'd love, love to hear yeah, from that. I would too. I would, and we'll, we'll play yeah. it on the show. We'll react to it. Yep. It would be awesome. We won't make fun. We're just, we, no, no, no. We're going to make fun of politicians. We're going to punch up. We're not going to punch down. We, yeah. we do... Because everybody, everybody has motivation. Everybody has a certain amount of time that they can devote to figuring this stuff out. Um, and and if you have a something formed, or you don't have anything formed, and you don't know which way to go, love to hear from you. We could probably, if you have a question, we could provide some feedback. Um, but but as far as Trump's taxes, sorry go, to go back to to Trump's taxes real quick. Uh, I I need to read the article. It looks to be quite long, it's and big. I have like. Yeah, I went straight from dadding to uh, cleaning up from dadding <laughs> to podcasting, and yeah. uh, uh, tonight I will read the the article in detail. But from what the distillation I've seen on Twitter is, the dude paid nothing in taxes, seven hundred fifty bucks, seventy thousand dollars on hair, and lost his all the money his dad gave him, made a lot of it as a reality TV star, and then lost all that. I don't and know now how you lose he doesn't form. pay any taxes and makes all these crazy write-offs and yeah. has a sh- and is deeply indebted. That's the distillation I've got from Twitter. So I'll, I'm yeah. go- I I recognize that Twitter is not the source. No, but, but the the story's out there and they're they're gonna bring it up on Tuesday. Like this is for uh, sure. This for is that sure. is this? Would you call this the October surprise or is there still one that's gonna show up? Uh, I don't even know because every day. Almost every day, every day we wake up, the man does something or something like comes to light. The, the, like, did you know that the treasury and the fed like basically bailed out wall street again? Of course. Yeah. In March and April. Yeah. And not, not just, not just bailed them out, like gave BlackRock a trillion dollars to firm up, uh, uh, the markets scary yeah the the what's it called not the derivatives because uh, there was collateralized debt obligations that sunk us in 2008 and now it's something now it's the same thing but it's called like 
collateralized market it's like cmos or something i forget what it is and then there's a specific etfs that's it blackrock is the largest issuer and manager of etfs and the etf market was tanking and when the etf market it's basically a side bet for the stock market where etfs are a bunch of it's almost like a mutual fund of like a but it's for sectors so you might have like mining yeah and then the mining etf owns a bunch of stocks of mining companies so rather than the stock market being individual stocks and the overall thing fluctuates this is just like you're buying into a segment of the market and then if the etf start flagging yeah that's the etfs those a lot of those are are managed by algorithms so the massive spikes and up and down on the stock market are because these etfs are going fucking nutso and in the like in the early days of the pandemic we're shutting down and everything like mm-hmm. anyway long story short the treasury and the fed gave blackrock a shitload of money to like backstop the etf market so it wouldn't make the full stock market go all erratic and cause another meltdown and we're pumping money into blackrock that alone should sink your fucking presidency right like <laughs> you would think this, so but... that no one knows about it well it's they not gave, they gave the trillions of dollars away and nobody fucking cares well that's not going to be the lead yeah it's not it's never going to be the lead no unless it gets really really brought up in debates right. or it's just and it, it could i don't think it will but um where well, like, i where i got terrified um was and I don't agree with everything that he says, especially when he gets to talking about employment and worker rights and worker compensation. But when I listen to Peter Schiff, who's an American stockbroker, say out loud that it's not a possibility that we're going to be heading towards a depression. It's a matter of when. Like, he's set the clock. He's he. This is someone who mm-hmm. does this every single day of their life, watches. He, he's a stockbroker. He, he comments on financials. He's he's the I think he's the the chief the CEO or chief global analyst of uh, Euro Pacific. This is someone. Th- this is his world. And mm-hmm. when he is telling you, this is someone who supported Donald Trump, who is no longer supporting Donald Trump. When he is saying out loud, "We are headed towards a depression," that frightens me. Yeah, and, and it's it's it it's terrifying. So whether or not these topics get brought up on a debate. Well, that's, that's what's funny. So, uh, 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 professor Richard Wolf. Yes. I heard this. Whom, whom I really like and respect has been saying for the last two years, like this stock market is unbelievable and it is unbelievable because it is a bubble. And he's a, he is a Marxist, uh, economist that's taught it. I think Amherst and Harvard and Yale and like, he's, he's a well-known, uh, uh, economist and he's been saying this for two years that this ca- this capitalism is being built it the 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 uh it's a how it's a massive house of cards and it's funny that you get do, people who analyze this system from both ends of the spectrum have the same analysis right Scary. it's, it's not looking good i'm, I'm just there's 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 a I, and I, I was going to wait to bring this up with you, and I think I will after the the debate. But I, I, I'm, I feel like something bad's going to happen, whether Biden wins or Trump wins, um, in this country. Yeah, I do too. And I'm, I'm, I, I really hope I'm wrong. I, I, I really hope I'm just being like over dramatic. But 
I've had this conversation with 10 different people that I know that feel the same way that either plan to vote for Trump or plan to vote for Biden. And everyone has this sense of like, uh, that it, it just, it feels like, well, I mean, the reason you have that is because the president is saying it. Yeah. The president didn't commit to a peaceful transfer of power. The president isn't saying that the elections are going to be safe and sound. Already the, said the, yeah. the, the president and his cabinet are actively taking people or were actively taking people off of the election interference beat. Your election machines are owned by Republicans. The, 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 the manufacturers of those machines, the, the owners of those companies are Republicans. They, you, there are states in this country that you will not get a hand-marked paper ballot. You will go and you will punch a button on a computer screen. It will spit out a little code, a little barcode or QR code, and you take that. That's your vote. That's your receipt that you voted. But the, the actual voting counting is being done by a machine with a program. Yep. Right. Like the recount is somebody going up to the machine and go going, give me that receipt again. There is no hanging chads. Yeah. There is no like X on the box. And so the whole system is set up and it is not inextricable. Like, you cannot ever, you will never convince me that there is 0% chance that the voting machines were safe and secure on election night, 2016. You will never convince me. There's plenty of documentaries that zero that they dive so deep into the technology and the flaws, and it's just right. and it's, it's it's yeah, it's scary, and, that, and that's why I was like really confident. Like I'm gonna go and vote in person this time. I'm not gonna do the absentee thing. I don't. Yes, COVID's going on, but I'm gonna put the mask on. I'm gonna I'm gonna brave it. Um, yeah. You know, and some people are just like, nope. I'm gonna. I've already voted. I'm I'm good to go. I'm gonna sit back and. Maybe that's why some of these forecasts um, are, are as aggressive um, as they are right now. But yeah, either I, way, I think going back to Nate Silver, I think his numbers may be total votes or amount of yeah. amount of voters. But the fuckery that'll be at foot when what fifty million Democrats vote absentee on a mail-in? <sighs> yeah, sixty. I mean, fifty million. I guess that's almost the entire electorate. Twenty-five million Democrats. Not, not the entire electorate. I mean, like the entire block of voting yeah, Democrats. Yeah, yeah. But like 25 million people vote in via absentee ballot. Just the just the ability to point to that and say they're faking it. Because he's been doing it for four years. You, you set the narrative and you set he that did conversation. It four years ago. Yeah. Just... They were questioning three million ballots that were coming in in California four years ago. And the air quotes sane Republicans like Paul Ryan were doing it too set right? the tone it's i don't know man I, I i obviously we'll have we'll have more conversations leading up to it um and, and maybe these numbers maybe maybe we sit here two or three weeks from now and these numbers you know flip a different way after the debates because that ha that has a tendency to happen after mm -hmm. some debates um you know we'll, we'll see but that's where we are at night now um debate is this tuesday so we'll come back on here and, and give some uh, some reactions to it. This this obviously we have more intention with this show than just reacting to to what's going on in the headlines. There's a there's a lot of topics that uh, that Sean wants to tackle that I'm I'm fascinated by too uh, that I would like to know more about because the goal is to to learn some stuff. But of course, uh, like what Sean was saying, we would love to to hear your feedback though too. Um, so visit Anchor.fm/slash Flyover Politics. 
there's a little message button. You can click it. It is embedded within the browser. So if you have a microphone hooked up to your laptop, or if you download the Anchor app and do the same thing, you can leave us a message that way too. Alternatively, both of us are fairly active on Twitter. Do you want to plug your Twitter, Sean, and then I'll plug mine, and we can also take feedback there as well? Yeah, uh, my Twitter is uh, hard to get, but if you look up Sean Carey, uh, I'll be on Twitter, or uh, my at is at C-S-A-E-R-A-E-N-Y, which I regret now having as a twitter handle <laughs> you can change it it's not permanent you can change really? it. really oh yeah you can definitely change oh, your handle i am not tech savvy i'm going to go do that tonight well so for now that's the handle but maybe we'll update for it now that's for it, now yeah. okay and i'll i'll tweet it out mine's a little bit easier it's just adam u iowa so a-d-a-m-u-i-o-w-a um mine used to be adam wrestleview so i know you can change it because i switched it to adam u iowa um obviously i'm gonna have a smorgasbord of weird shit on my twitter feed there'll be stuff about video games uh how much the dallas cowboys stink mixed martial arts politics tons of stuff um but that's why it alternates between like encouraging people that post things that like you just need to be and then like straight socialism and yelling at ted cruz (laughs) and you got the little rose so that's a that's a bernie thing. no i took i took that off i I see it in your your description it's still there Oh, it's in the description. Description. Yeah, I took it off the. Yeah, I took, you took it off, it off my, the, uh, yeah, your handle. Uh, profile name. Yeah, 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 I took it off the handle. I didn't. I'm. You got. You got to tell me more about that because I saw that popping up and I didn't understand what that was. So you'll have to tell me more about that. That's socialist. Okay. It's a symbol of the ah, DSA symbol. Okay. It's a rose. Yep. You hold a rose, but then they're like the Twitter. Twitter rose lefties are kind of annoying as fuck sometimes because yeah, they're not no. all like lefties. It's no, just, really. <laughs> it's just reactionaries. Yeah, you mean, it's just like I'm putting a I'm putting a hammer and sickle in here, and I'm. I'm punk now. You mean the people that called me a Russian propagandist because I was voting for Tulsi Gabbard don't say mean things to people on yes. Twitter? Okay. All right. It is, it is weird. <laughs> it is weird. I was I called comrade uh, breaking over 500 news. times. Yeah. yeah, breaking news. Breaking news. So we'll get into that. So definitely reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, but, of course, this will be kind of the home base for the show, anchor.fm slash flyoverpolitics. You can also look up this show by searching flyoverpolitics on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever podcasts are available. The show will be distributed uh, audio-wise. We also have a backlog of old content that Sean and I are going to kind of dive through. We'll pull some segments or we can even upload full shows if people want to kind of go back and, and kind of hear where, where we were back in 2015, 2016 um, and how things have changed a little bit. But um, we had intended to only go about an hour. We almost went two, but that's fine because this was the first one back. We were dipping Ooh, our toes really? back in. Yeah, we almost went two. We went an hour and Oopsie. 40 minutes. That's all right. Um, I kind of figured we would, because once we get going, man, we're, it's hard <laughs> right. for us to show. Well, we up. haven't done a podcast in five years. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to catch up on. But, um, but yeah, this this was a good catch up. I think this is a good starting point. We kind of just want to see how this thing grows, because I think last time we were we were so gung ho and got into it, um, and then we both got a little burnt out on it. So I think we want to kind of take more of a, a relaxed approach to the format, where we'll have like something in mind we'll talk about, but the conversation could deviate and then of course hearing your feedback if you go to the the anchor.fm slash fly over politics page and you leave us a message we'll play your message we'll react to stuff obviously we'll react to stuff we we get on twitter um so we're, we're just going to kind of see how it goes for a while but we we knew the election was coming up it's coming up in a few weeks um it's going to be kind of tense the next few weeks so hopefully we can i don't know provide some kind of sense of calmness if that's even possible right now in 2020 but uh We'll uh, we'll do our best and we'll be here. So, Sean, um, I know you used to close the podcast 
with a certain phrase. I don't know. Do you remember what the phrase was? That think I, for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to keep doing that? Keep that what one going. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Whatever you're looking at, if you get fucking on Twitter and there's somebody saying this is stupid, like think for yourself. Is it stupid, or is it that person just doesn't know what they're talking about? I like it. Is it is it stupid, or or is that person ignorant? Is it is it stupid, or do they just not agree with it and they're trying to bully you into thinking? For, think for yourself. That's the motto. Think for yourself. That's our motto. There you go, everybody. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will be back uh, Tuesday night-ish or Wednesday, depending on when it comes out, uh, reacting to the first presidential debate between President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. It's going to be interesting, folks, so we'll be here. Sean, good catching up, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you too. All right. We'll talk to everybody later. See ya.